episode 15 of Hoops Forum, a joint effort of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller. He's Randy Sherman. Um, before we get into what we're going to be doing, always want to tell you about our sponsors over at 323 Sports. Appreciate them, their support of our show here. You know, we've been talking the last few weeks about camps coming, and you're thinking about camps probably now more and more and more. They have a phenomenal offer, $6.99 for a one-color print moisture management T-shirt. If you're interested in that, we always direct you over to the website, 323sports.com, or you can contact a rep sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Uh, this is one of those episodes where it's what we're showing is going to be maybe more beneficial. If you're not seeing it, it may not make as much sense. So if by chance you're, you're listening to the replay at some point, you probably want to head over to Radius Athletics on YouTube and watch the full version of it. Those that are watching here, you'll be able to see some things that we'll have up on the screen here in just a few moments. Uh, we'll be sure to link those. If you if you want the plays, you want the diagrams, you want the links to the articles, we'll be sure to link those down in the descriptions as well. We're going to break down some of our, our favorite actions, things that uh, we've either discussed, and some, some things we've discussed, talked about on this show before. Uh, we've got our own segment that we usually do each week, week called Beyond the Scoreboard brought to you by our friends over at Sideline Interactive. This entire episode is going to be beyond the scoreboard. We're going to even go beyond the play here and kind of dig into – I've said this before, too, on the show. Like, it, it really isn't the plays that we like. It's the actions that are built into the plays that what we end up liking. So sure. um, you can call that semantics if you want to. But I'm thinking, too, about coaches maybe diagram not, – not just diagramming plays, but as you develop your plays and maybe you're now in the offseason looking through your playbook, this is not a chance for you just to add more plays and more things to, into your playbook. My thought process is take what you have, look through it. Is it stuff that's actually effective? How can we maybe condense it and have better stuff? Or how can we tweak some things within our offense to, to make things? And uh, Randy and I will talk through some of those. Randy, let's go ahead and start like right away with some of these. You know, five we're going to look through. I'm going to talk through some of the diagrams here. But why don't you go ahead and lead us off? The first one we want to talk about is the old dribble handoff. Yeah, you, uh, you, you put this on the list when we spoke last night about today's show. And I thought, let's put a different spin on, on the DHO, the dribble handoff, that maybe the idea of enhancing the dribble handoff. Cause I, I do think sometimes that just straight dribble handoff some doesn't always create an advantage. That's a pretty fairly easy action to defend either through switching or, or drop and let through or something like that, like that in and of itself, the dribble handoff is oftentimes not how we create penetration. It can be done with speed and done where the uh, the the accept the the recipient of the handoff really bursts into the take into that mesh point, it, it can create an advantage. But I like to think of ways of how we are going to enhance the DHO. I'm gonna make the analogy of a boxer. You've got a boxer. They they uh, maybe a right-handed boxer. That's their power punch. The 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 jab or the cross, but they set it up with the jab. So you're probably not going to knock anyone out with your jab, but you set up with the jab and throw the cross. So you throw a combination to knock out your opponent. So in terms of enhancing the DHO, that's kind of what I'm talking about. The, the, the handoff is, is uh, you know, the first action is the jab. The second action is the cross that, that, that knocks out the opponent and creates the penetration to continue the analogy. Here on the screen, we're going handoff, ball screen. So, um, you know, that's commonly, sometimes you hear that called pistol action. Player one hands off to two. 
again, just a simple handoff in and of itself might not create an advantage. But if we if we throw two actions in a row at the at the defenders, then we've got maybe a better chance to to crack that shell like you see in frame two. And we have that. Um, so frame one, we go handoff. Five is is a magnet toward the ball. They're following that handoff. They're chasing behind that handoff. So when the recipient comes out of it, they ball screen immediately. So it's bang, bang, penetrate and roll. Now we've got a, a pick and roll option with one. I don't have that drawn, but one, if, if, if X1 tagged the roller, we got a throwback option to, to, to player one. So enhancing the DHO by going handoff and adding a ball screen to it. The second slide here, very similar principle to the one you just described there. Um, why don't you talk them through this one? Yeah, this one, again, just instead of in frame one, instead of five, just just delivering a handoff to player one, we're going to cut out of that single gap. So it's 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 like back cut handoff. What our hope is, is as if our timing is good, as one cuts through, cuts out of that single gap and two rises out of the corner, X2 kind of gets caught in the traffic. They get caught at that you know, right where that red arrow meets that black line cutting through and they're, they kind of have to pop, excuse me, or whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. let that, they get caught in the traffic. And now that handoff is delivered to two with a clean corner for them to turn and, and create penetration, continue that cut. Or if this was not three on three, but five on five, you know, we've got a couple players over here holding the sideline. So we penetrate two and then five after he or she delivers that handoff, just find that deep corner. Yeah, I like that one. And this one's very similar to the same kind of consecutive actions, but you almost flip what you had there. So it's not the handoff first. Yeah. You're going with the pin down first. Yeah. So we we start with that centering pass to a player, the swing pass that I have drawn there in frame one. So now the passer is going to go screen down or, or have a meet up in the corner with player two screen X2. So we're disadvantaging the handoff recipients defender from the onset here. We're screening them and in hopes that we take them out with the screen or make them kind of hesitate or go under. And then we accelerate into that handoff. So we've got a cleaner corner to turn and, and crack the shell with that drive that you see in frame two. Consecutive action, something I've written about. It's on the Fast Model blog. You can go read about those. I love those. I love combining those with multiple actions, what I call multiple actions. So while all of this is happening on the right side of the floor, maybe have like an exchange on the weak sure. side of the floor or something like that to occupy those help defenders. But um, you combine those two things and you're probably going to have a pretty good play. It doesn't matter what you use within it. Let's go on and talk about the second one. So the first one was dribble handoffs. Let's talk about the second one because this is kind of in the same vein as dribble handoffs. Okay. This one, I'll just be honest with you. I've, I've seen it over the years. This was the first year that we used it. I loved it. I think we can use it better. It's not necessarily something that you see in a lot of American. Well, NBA. you'll see it. Yeah. You, you see it a lot overseas. You don't see it outside of professional and, but that's the throat and go. You want to explain the throat and go? Throw and go is the, the term that I, I like for it. I've also called it a take because we're going to take the ball rather than the player one that you see up there in frame one is taking the ball from five. I've also heard it more recently called a get. Yeah, so basically throw and go to me is a very descriptive term. It sort of rhymes, so it's sticky in that in that regard. So in frame one, you see player one throw pass it, throw to player five, and immediately go into the handoff. They take it back from, from player five. 
Um, different than a dribble handoff in that the, the deliverer of the handoff, in this case five, is not dribbling. They're more stationary, and they just kind of hold the ball out on the platter. You know, we call it putting it on a platter. Just hold the ball out there and let the guy sprint and take it or the girl sprint and take it back. So throw and then go immediately to take it back. Mm -hmm. And throw and go. And then it just becomes a read. So like as you see there in frame one, if, if, if I cut really hard, uh, one of the main teaching points is outrun your pass. So I want to throw and then immediately sprint to, to get it back, to take it back, throw and go, outrun your pass. Cut so hard that you just nearly outrun your pass as it arrives in players' five's hands, and it's immediate. If your defender trails and we give you the handoff, then obviously we're going to crack the shell and get penetration and treat it almost like a middle ball screen and roll right there. If they go under, so we're moving to frame two now, if they go, if we throw and then go, they go under, but we take the ball and the guy just peekaboo out on the other side is there because he went under. I want the, the player five there to twist and rescreen, and we'll just turn it into middle ball screen. So it's a, sort of a read in that regard that if they trail, we're just going to deliver the handoff and crack the shell into the drive. If they go under and we take it, let's go, let's, let's turn, let's twist, rescreen and turn it into middle pick and roll. In the final frame in the bottom right corner, I have that called, I, this is an old diagram. I call it a Manu. Manu Ginobili used to do this with Tim Duncan a lot, where Tim Duncan would have the ball at the top of the circle. He got the pass from, from Manu. Manu would, would throw and go, but like he would just be trailed tightly. And he almost like curled around it. But but as as, as he cornered around Tim Duncan, he was kind of like, like almost then like a wide receiver running a fade route down the sideline. He's got a little bit of a lead on him, and Tim Duncan would just dump it over the top. So I sometimes call this curl and dump. So if you're trailed, we're going to curl and dump over the top. I like these because it gives you almost a counter to pick and roll. So if all your team is doing is pick and roll, teams are icing that. You you almost negate any team that ice ball screens. And anybody, a lot of times, that hedges too, isn't the X5 isn't in the place to hedge. So if you're against a team and you haven't practiced a lot of things, just do this, just throw the ball to the screener. And instead of having the screener screen for the ball, go and get it. Like Randy just said, and you yeah. can basically run all your same plays that you do with pick and roll stuff, just with a get instead. I would say too, that, that offense says go. That's one of the, that's why defense is so hard because offense says go in basketball. So after one makes that pass to that screener sort of there at the top of the key, there's this tendency sometimes for that defender who's like really down and in a stance and getting after Relaxes. it when they're when they're when they're guarding the ball to sort of stand up and relax yeah. and burst right into a cut and it, maybe I'm faster than them mm -hmm. and I and I just outrun them to the ball and create that penetration you see in the top left corner there in frame one. And you can combine it with our first action, which was the dribble handoff. If that isn't there, so you run that once and the def defender knows it's coming, you can just fake the dribble handoff and dribble down to the wing to another guy that's coming. Um, somebody's relaxing. That's the point. Somebody, you, you will find somebody relaxing if you go ahead and just one right after the other. Yeah, simple read too. Trail, trail, let's give it and, and score. Under, let's twist it and rescreen. And then, and then um, if they curl as tight, if they trail as tightly, we'll, we'll curl and dump. All right, next one. So that's the second one. Let's go to the third one here. This one, um, again, talking ball screens. Instead of going straight into your ball screen several weeks ago, we talked about some of the things that were going on with March Madness this year and how teams, instead of just 
calling for a high ball screen and the five running out and setting a ball screen, interesting mm-hmm. ways to get into a ball screen. So it's almost, it's not false actions, but it's occupying the defense so that they're not able to just sit there and know exactly what's coming. And this is one that is becoming a little bit more popular. Again, something probably a little bit more European, also probably a little bit more Princeton. Randy can talk about that in a few moments here. Mm-hmm. Having the five go back screen. A lot of times you'll see somebody go screen the five. So go screen for the five and then bring him out. But instead, having the five set a screen, a back screen for four, and sending that player through. So most likely X5 will be helping on four as they run through the lane, at least taking a step back. And as soon as that happens, five is sprinting out to the ball screen, which then kind of the five is not X5 is not in a place to give help, whether you're a hedge team or even if you're a drop team. And then if you quick roll to the basket, you can usually end up with something at the rim or that shake action, which in frame number two, that's why we have three lifting up from Mm -hmm. behind there. So that's a simple one, too, that kind of gives you something before going in ball screening. And I would say it fits with the theme of of what we've talked about today and that it's consecutive actions it's bang bang back screen ball screen yeah the, the back screen would cause x4 to have cause x5 to have to show or hedge if they don't let's just lob it to four for an alley dunk right like if they if they don't show or to me what when i see this i see two two print two things come to mind first is the principle of arriving alone at the ball screen that's the motive behind setting the back screen first we want five to arrive alone at the ball screen so they set the back screen for four causing their man to hedge or show so, so we don't throw an alley-oop lob on them. And now I sprint out of that back screen directly into the ball screen, and we've got a clean corner to turn because, like you mentioned, X5 is disadvantaged having had to show on the back screen. Second thing that comes to mind, this is a common combination of back screen, ball screen, and, and chin in Princeton. You might see a team signal chin. They've got Sometimes they already have that post up at the elbow, like you have them cutting from the block to the elbow, but they'll already be up at the elbow. So, you know, they'll signal chin uh, by tapping their chin, back screen, and then immediately sprint into the ball screen. Some coaches that run Princeton is the specials. Like I, I hear sometimes it's called chin thumb. So the, the, the point guard would, you know, chin thumb. And that means he wants back screen, ball screen. Um, again, Combination of actions, defense has to defend two things in a row and arrive alone at that ball screen by causing that that show on to take away the alley-oop lob. All right, number four. Next one is one that we have spent a lot of time talking about, but these last two here, both kind of cuts to open up more space for you. Some of you, you've heard us talk about this, but you're still not quite sure what we're referring to here. I've heard this called about three or 30 different things, so <laughs> we'll, we'll call it yeah. a 45 cut. Um, you may have heard of it called like a almost like a fingers cut, a slice cut. I've heard it cut before. Blur, um, blur, yeah, blur screen. Blur yeah, screen. Yeah. Same, same principle here. Um, very interesting. Those ghost screens this year are this, but to a different spot on the floor almost. Yeah. And they're kind of serving as blur screens this year, but we'll save those for later. Uh, this is the 45 cut. Randy, why don't you go ahead and kind of explain this and then I'll show them. I'll go ahead and move on to the second screen so you can talk about that a little, yeah, in a little leave, bit more detail. Leave it here real quick, if you don't okay. mind, just for a second. So so we get these two spots are filled. Two, you know, we've got a two-guard front. Maybe we've got guys in the deep corner and a guy in the dunker spot or something like that. That's not drawn on here. But what we're talking about is a cut we make when we throw it from guard to guard in a two-guard front, slot to slot, whatever your terminology is for that. And in this instance, really, I just want it to be a cut. Just cut to the corner. As soon as you pass, there's a straight line segment between you and to that corner. Should 
come out sort of looking like 45 degrees. And like I said, if you'll if now you can advance the frame to the next slide that we have, and it would be, you know, now there is the four outlook and we've got, basically I would think of this as a gap creating cut, you know, like in some offenses you see it, you see a team make this top to top, this guard to guard pass and maybe exchange with the player below them or, or screen down or something like that, that keeps the floor in balance, right? We've got, you know, two by two on either side, but it doesn't open the space that this cut by one vacating that side of the court, we sort of tilt the floor. We compress the space in that small blue square in frame one, five, three, and one now are are compressed. That creates a large amount of space in frame two to the right hand for players to drive. So it's just a gap creating cut instead of instead of exchanging with the player below you or down screening and keeping the symmetry in the possession, you tilt the floor to that side, you compress the players to one side and then and then attack the space that that created back to the other. Yeah, that one is one like we said that we've talked about the last few weeks and so you can hear how that fits into a bigger half court philosophy on those previous episodes, we won't rehash all that. Maybe you'll go back and listen to some of the older episodes that we had. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on this last one. Last one is we call it a burn cut. Okay. If you look at this one, this one may not look very impressive. Uh, This is something that probably a lot of teams have done for years. I don't necessarily, it's almost intuition for older, more experienced players, but if you can help players, younger players recognize when this happens and there's two actions, two things that you can do to get to that. The burn cut is just simply recognizing when your defender is looking at the basketball and cutting towards the basket. It's not random cuts on the floor. I think that can be taken. The pendulum swings to the far extreme where you have players that are just cutting all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Um, but instead of, well, I just cut back door while my guy's not looking actually designing into your offense actions that can lead to that happening. And the two that we have drawn up, I'll show this one. I'll let Randy, Randy explain the next one. But anytime you dribble directly at or directly towards a defender, we don't have X3 on the screen. But as one is dribbling, he is dribbling off of the ball screen right at X3. Most teams will stay away from this because they don't want two on the side that they're dribbling towards. But if you've designed this for this purpose, dribble as hard as you can at X3, three cuts through, and then a lot of times you can get that because everybody's everybody else is lifted. Um, and so what you end up with is a, is a open look at the front of the rim there. So that's kind of the ball is from the outside going in. Mm-hmm. And the second one that we have here is one that we've been talking about, but a little bit different. Yeah. And the second one here on the post feed, it's just hard for defenders to resist the urge when we penetrate with the pass or the dribble. In this case, we're penetrating with the pass with the post feed to not turn their head and, and, and look in there. They, they turn their head and look in there. You know, simple rule for three here or, or would be if you can see the back of your defender's head cut behind it. So if, you know, just something of something that the ball is a magnet, we throw it in there to one who's posted up and X3 just going to turn and look and, and they're blind for a second or they're, or they're really staring in there. Maybe they intend to, you know, they turn their head and they intend to go double or something like that. So if you can cut behind their head while their their head is turned to you, you, you might find yourself a layup on the end of that cut. I've seen one dribble actually dribble into the post, so they may start on the perimeter. You don't have to throw it in there. Yeah. Um, but I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. The more, I think, higher levels, it's it's we're paying attention to it more, but how much of our offense originates from the paint? Old school, you throw it into a dominant post player and they score. The points mm-hmm. per possession are now showing that that's not very high. But I can 
now swinging to this side of it, I can get it into the post or I can get it into the paint through my guards, which goes counterintuitive to a lot of players. Mm -hmm. How can you get creative in getting the ball in there? Do you just need a, because most players will say, well, my point guard can't go post up. They don't know how to do that. Well, A, teach them how to do that. But if they don't, how can you get them into the post so they can at least catch the ball? Can you yeah. screen for them into the post? Can they dribble into the post? Do you have somebody that we had the luxury a couple of years ago of having a six, five point guard that we could just go post up. And like you said, it's too much for defenses to resist and somebody will turn their head and then you can beat them with the burn, cut somebody on the floor there. So, yeah. Um, so another thing that you, you, that might be possible, like say four enters to one right here and cuts like makes a Laker cut five, three and two start filling around the arc at, to replace that spot. And as they're moving, their player, their defender is watching that post player. So I'm, I'm filling around the arc to, to follow the man in front of me. They'll tell me what to do. I'm filling around the arc, and I see my player head turn, and I stick my foot in the ground and cut and, and, and burn cut behind their head. Yeah. All right, so five actions. Hopefully those are some things that you may already have a lot of those in your playbook, or it may be something where you're looking to add something into it or another level or another, another layer into it. Small tweaks. Um, that would be my – I'll, I'll give my suggestion, then Randy can finish finish us off with his suggestion. My suggestion is small tweaks, being smarter about how you design things, not necessarily just adding more things. And I would add that all this is great, but, it, but really it's just a means to create penetration. So as coaches, we, we coached that part of the game a little maybe too intricately, but let's do something quick whether it's a cut, a handoff ball screen, or something to crack that penetration, and then that's the part of the game where we make our money. We, we, we penetrate, we, we, we either score at the rim, we draw help, we kick, we play one more. Like It's all just the ploy to get the paint touch and to get the crack or to crack the shell. Yeah, good. Uh, we're planning on doing things like this probably once a month or once every six weeks or so where we just give you four or five, get in, get out. Hopefully it can be something that you can – maybe add one or two things just to help you a little bit, some tips, some suggestions. So be on the lookout for those. We do appreciate all of you who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the show, go back and watch it all on Radius Athletics. Search that on YouTube and you will find each of the episodes in their entirety there on the site. You can also listen to an abbreviated version of it, a quick timeout podcast. Those usually release a week after we record them live. So you can search a quick timeout on any platform and find them there. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week.